Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Building Doctor Show. I am your host, and we, uh, I'm your host, Jens Johansson. And we are glad to see you here to learn more about your buildings. So we're excited to have Kelly, our client relations manager, as our guest today. And in this episode, we're going we're gonna to kind of team up from the same side of the table, and we're going to talk to you about the world of fine print and walk you through proposals and agreements. And we're going to answer your questions regarding the pros and cons of, you know, should I do a time and materials or time and cost? Is it flat fee, uh, lump sum? Uh, this, you know, the architects like to charge a percentage based. And so we, we can talk you through what all those mean and, and what the, uh, what the pros and cons are and, and the risks associated with that. So welcome, Kelly. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, awesome. It's like my interview all over again. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm Kelly Garland. I'm the client relations manager for J2. I like to mention that J2 has offices in Washington, Oregon, and Utah, and I work across all of them. So I get the luxury of getting to know all of our clients, and it's awesome. Uh, I have a lot of uh, jobs at J2 as far as dealing you know, with client issues, helping suss out communication. But one of the big things that I do is preparing proposals, doing the intake, doing the uh, initial call, getting the information and teeing it up for our specialists to dial that in. And then I help, you know, make sure that there aren't any questions, that everything on the proposal is really clear. So I'm really excited to talk about that today because um, like I've been telling folks all week, we are going to be talking about things that I have heard multiple times from multiple people in multiple locations. So it's information useful to everybody. Right. We're going to break down the industry stuff. When we say set fee, people go, what does that mean? Well, we just say the price, the price tag sticker. And so we're going to, we're just, we'll just elaborate on that stuff and talk about it today. And so Kelly, you are the special guest of the one year anniversary of the Billing Doctor Show. And so it is because of our awesome audience that is sharing and recommending, and we are getting just good traction. We're getting lots of good feedback saying, this is super helpful to our board and this uh, even even our even management companies saying it's super helpful just to kind of hear a perspective and then then uh, understand it better. So let's get on with this fancy show. First, we're going to launch a poll here and, and see where everybody's from. And due to my magnetic personality, my uh, <clears throat> it's interfering with my Zoom thing. So be patient with me as I try to get that little... I have the taskbar on the top. So as I try to get that to pop down, might have to, oh, there we go. Boom, polls, boom, launch. Okay, so we're going to run the poll. That helps us understand where our audience is from. And so please take just a quick second to fill that out. And so if you're from different states we're in, we can kind of tailor our answers to that. If you're primarily boards and managers, we can tailor our answers to that. So uh, while you're filling that out, uh, we're going to talk about just kind of just show disclaimers. Every show needs a disclaimer in the sense of we are not giving you financial, legal, tax, engineering advice, and I am not a medical doctor. And uh, nothing's for sale here. So put away your credit cards. This is, this is all free today. 
bottom line, we've run, we're running this to help people understand and run their buildings. We've helped lots of people do that, and we've seen what worked and what didn't work when it came to running and restoring condominiums, and we want to share that with you. So let's take a peek at the poll, and we're going to end it, and we're going to share results. Okay, so lots of people from Washington. We got good organ turnout today, boards, managers, community, newsletter we heard from. If you've been through a repair project, yeah, quite a few people have been. Okay, good to know. Uh, all right, then uh, we've got some cool giveaways. Uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. We've we've got uh, it's kind of a cold day in February. We've got this really neat fleece blanket. So think like take it to a concert, outdoor concert, or uh, uh, or any other place you want to stay warm, right? Traveling. It's the ultimate airplane ride accessory. I used it when I went to Utah recently and it was just clutch. It was the best thing ever. Kind of rolls up. You can use yeah. it as a pillow. You can lean on the other person without drooling on them and stay warm. <laughs> Stuff in your bag <laughs> okay. and you're done. All right. So stay tuned for that. All right. Let's get into it. We are clicking away here. Today's agenda. So we're going to talk about pricing and, and what that means. So what is what is time materials or time and cost? What is set fee, lump sum? And we're going to talk about the risk shifting. So I'm going to take you back to ninth grade science, and we're going to talk about the law of energy conservation. So you'll, you'll, you'll get some out of that. We're going to talk about payment schedules. We're going to talk about controlling budgets and fine print, maybe in the contract or the exclusions. And then we'll summarize that up and get into a Q&A. And so, of course, this is a place to ask your live questions and, and get live answers. Uh, put that into the Q&A tab, and Brooke, the producer, will be monitoring that and uh, keep an eye out for that. So how pricing works. So we're going to talk mainly about building envelope consultants or architects or engineers, but we'll also talk, you know, you have other partners in this too, like, uh, you know, managers or lawyers or contractors. And so it's good to talk about the different types because you might have four partners with four different pricing structures or kind of agreements there. And so architects traditionally have said, you know what, 10, you know, eight to 12% of construction costs. I will design everything and manage the contractor for you, pick out all the pick out all the you know light fixtures and things like that. And at the at each payment, I will take a 10% fee on whatever the contractor is charging. Um, managers, you, you, you can look at your management agreement. It's usually a management agreement to manage your property, not to run a multi-million dollar insurance repair project. And so it would make sense that you need to pay them an additional fee to look at all the checks, be in all the meetings, run you know various other vendors and partners through your project. So look in the agreements you have with them. Typically, it's some kind of set fee, again, based on contract cost, but it could be based on other things as well. Lawyers, if you're working with lawyers, we're all familiar with the contingency fee, which means if I, you know, it's contingent upon what I recover. So if I, if we win the case and I recover some money, I take a chunk of that and give you the rest. So it's a little different because it's not related to construction project cost, but it could be a cost that you see in this uh, process. 
And then contractors usually are working on kind of a set fee. I will replace your roof for $300,000. And so they, they say what they're going to do. They'll include or exclude. Uh, if we open up the roof and find a bunch of rot, I'm going to charge you more for that, you know, damaged wood and, and replacing those things. But they'll have, you know, ways to work through the pricing. And so... We get, we get these different types of costs, lump sum or set fee. Think of it like the price sticker that's on your clothes. You can get this shirt for $20. So that is a set fee, okay? Uh, time and cost, you'll hear cost versus materials. In the consultant world, you'll hear time and cost because we don't have any materials. But in the construction world, you'll hear time and materials. What does that mean? So. However long I'm out there, that's my time of labor, and then whatever my you know material costs are, time and materials, time and cost. So in a consultant thing of cost, we may have, there may be some travel fees or mileage fees, there may be some printing of big blueprints or you know permit fees, things like that. So here's the fee, or here's the cost, and here's our time involved in that. And then we talked about percentage or contingency. So again, design percentage or architectural percentage or lawyer contingency. Uh, managers can be in that percentage as well. And then there's, a, there's kind of a hybrid of cost plus or negotiated contract. And that you'll see that in some kind of negotiated construction work, which basically means Whatever my costs are, here's all my receipts and give me a markup on top of that as my profit margin. And so it's it's an it's an open book way to kind of track things and look at things. It, it, it gets complicated. It requires some more administrative uh, work, but it it has a niche. It has a use. But by far, we see things on the set fee basis. We see things on the time and cost basis and then a little bit of the percentage basis. Kelly, would you add anything to how kind of this, you know, how this works? Um, no, I mean, that covers it pretty well. I would say that, um, you know, we're going to get into this a little more in depth, but, uh, you know, specifically at J2 and with consultants in general, we do tend to write the bigger project proposals in different phases. And those mm -hmm. different phases can have different types of costs yeah, for very specific reasons. And like I said, we'll get into that, but it's something that definitely you want to pay mind to when you're reviewing your proposals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about risk. So here's the law of conservation of energy. You remember what I'm talking about, Kelly? I do. Uh, I'm kind of pulling very this one on you. <laughs> so it says that law says that energy cannot be created or destroyed. And so it can only be converted. So what does that mean? So the rocket ship fires up in the air and it loses its fuel. Well, that fuel is burned off in heat and energy and it pushes the rocket up in the air. Um, and so it, it's not, it's, you can't get rid of energy. It can only be converted. So the same with risk, you cannot eliminate risk. You can only shift it. I can shift it from my side to your side. So you take the risk on that. And here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I mean. So a time and cost contract between owner and vendor. So the vendor says, I'll do that for a certain amount of time and a certain amount of cost. So if the cost is, or if the time is less than what I anticipated, 
the client will have a lower bill. If the time is more than I've anticipated, the client will have a higher bill. And so that, that raises the point of give me a budget. We can do a time and cost. I'll give you a budget, probably be 2,500 bucks. We can do that. Might be 2,200, might be 2,800, but the risk is shifting around a little bit. If it goes over, that's the risk on the owner. If it goes under, that's risk on the, on the vendor or partner that says, you know, it just didn't take me as long as I thought it was. So here's the bill. And so the same, same with contractors, time materials. I think it's that, you know, addition or that remodel or that strip and reclad is going to cost $50,000. Might cost 45, might cost 60. So to eliminate that risk, we jump over to the set fee or lump sum uh, version to say it's going to cost $50,000. If, if it comes in less, the vendor makes a little more money. If it comes in more, the vendor loses a little money. So you can see how that risk shifting and can play out there. And so some people, some clients, hey, I just want to know. I, I don't want to pay any more. Just tell me what it's going to be. And they'll be happy with a number. Now, the vendor or the partner will say, I think I can do this for $2,500. There's probably a good chance I can do it. You know, well, they want to set fee. Well, I'm going to set it at $3,000 to cover my risk. And if I still come in at $2,200, I make even more profit. But if I come in at $3,200, I've lost money. And so that's the thing that we have to understand of risk shifting. So time time and cost versus set fee versus percentage-based. It's I can do that for 5%. Well, what if it takes me 5.5%? Well, I as a vendor lose. What if I can do it for 4%? I don't have to give the client a refund. I win. And so that's, that's the risk shifting piece. Um, <clears throat> I think... You know, we were looking through, Kelly and I were looking through proposals a couple of months ago, and we even said a couple of years ago, people really liked, our clients really liked the time and cost because they would play that risk. If it's going to be less, I don't have to pay as much. If it's going to be more, I'll take my chances and pay a little bit more. But I think we saw a trend that said, you know what, clients now just, they just want a number and they don't want to hear about any complaining later. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, in the perfect world, we could put a very precise price sticker on just about everything we say and do. But um, and that is the preference for everybody, it seems like clients and us alike operationally and just logistically speaking, those time and cost proposals come into play when we're functioning with only the knowledge that we have at hand. And that's, you know, that is a good amount of knowledge, but uh, there's always that risk of like, we get out there and we open your sighting and you have, you know, gremlins living underneath it that we have to exterminate. Dragons. Not a building doctor, can you tell? That's damage that you find, right? Gremlins in the sighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that is where that time and cost, um, you know, breathing room would probably come into play for things that we, you know, didn't know uh, and we discover. But right. the isn't uh, is a preferred option for whenever possible. Mm -hmm. And so, if, and back to your previous comment, if we have different phases, we can do one phase this way, another phase this way, and another phase that way. And so that's why we wanted to, you know, it's like, why are there three different prices on this thing? And 
maybe because of risk, maybe because of scope clarity. And I think that's really the next slide. How do you price anything? You have to, you have to know exactly how many nuts and bolts go into it. And to be able to say this project, it'll be this many openings. I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I can pretty much predict what I'm in. And so I can give you a solid price. If you're asking me, I don't know what's wrong. It's just leaking and I need you out here now. I, I'll get out there and do the best I can. And, but it'll be kind of, it'll be a little bit mushy till I get into it and understand what's going on. So um, scope clarity is one of these things. Schedule is another thing that drives price uh, and just people and schedule. Do you need one person there for one day or two people for five days? Or is the contractor, contractor A can do it in three months. Contractor B is going to take five months. Well, that's two months longer of a project to manage. And so the contractor schedule is obviously a big thing. Brass door knockers. Now, nobody has brass door knockers anymore, but <clears throat> that's a good phrase for that percentage-based contract that says, uh, I as the contractor or, well, yeah, no, not contractor. I as the consultant or the architect uh, or even the manager I get paid a percentage of the construction price. So if you're using, you know, uh, Home Depot light fixtures versus, oh, I want to go with crystal chandeliers, the price just went up, but it's really the same light fixture. We're not adding anything, but that quality or that brass, the brass went way up, the brass door knocker. So that's one drawback of that percentage-based thing. If you're just using fancy materials, you're paying the partners more. Uh, there's some there's some argument to that, you know, that I needed to choose those things. I need to recommend them. They're a little bit more higher higher maintenance. Um, but just be aware that percentage. If the cost goes up, so does the percentage of fee goes up. And then other things, you know, kind of the good, better, best concept, or the level of detail, or the level of inspection. Am I doing two openings or twelve openings? Am I doing looking at one building or all the buildings? Am I looking at a sampling of a few buildings on site? Or am I looking at, uh, we, well, I'm, I should say different phases. So if you know your project has five phases, ooh, we better look at doing an invasive opening in each phase because you probably had different ciders, different framers, different, you know, maybe even different contractors doing the work. So let's get a sampling and, and understand that. So... Let's see, pricing plans. So this is this is kind of inspection, design, bid assistance, contract administration. So this, this relates to, from our consultant perspective, we have phases. And this is what Kelly was talking to you earlier. And that's kind of our building doctor theme of diagnose, prescribe, treat. So the diagnosis is the inspection. Let's figure out what's going on. The design is the prescription. Here's what it takes to fix it. And the bid assistance and contract administration are kind of together there in the treat. And so what does that mean in the inspections? Yeah, we can get out and do five, six openings. Maybe it's 12 openings. Who knows? The design, do you want a narrative scope, which is like a recipe, replace all the siding, do this, do this. Or do you want construction documents that are suitable for permit? So... 50 pages, all these details showing you how everything goes together. Obviously much more complicated. Bid assistance, if we're just 
directing a contractor, go paint the building versus getting five bids, helping you compare apples to apples, making sense of things. Uh, that would be a bid assistance phase. And then contract administration is keeping an eye on the project as it goes through uh, the repairs, uh, tracking things, documenting, taking pictures, doing all these things. And it, it's, it's labor intensive, but think of us as weekly site visits, documenting field reports, running meetings, uh, answering questions, RFIs, looking at, looking at project meeting, running project meetings, et cetera. And so kind of a rule of thumb um, from the, again, from the architectural world, eight to 12% to do design and construction administration. Uh, but rule of thumb inspections, define it. I can do a set fee on that. Design, I can probably define it and give you a set fee. Bid assistance might be better to do TNM. Do we just need three? bidders in one meeting or do we want to rebid it so let's let's bid it it was too expensive now let's go back and rebid it let's talk to you know another bidder and so all of a sudden we're doing that process again and then construction administration we can kind of give you a budget to say here's what it takes to visit the site once a week every month function of the contractor how long does that take and then we can put time and cost to that and show you what that is where, where do our clients get hung up with lots of questions, Kelly, on these different phases? Well, the one that um, it definitely is the biggest one is why can't you just give me one big hard number for the, especially for the contract administration? And I think that, you know, why we call, why we call these phases and not like sections is that one begets the other. So, you know, in order to do a design, we must have an inspection. In order to do bid assistance, we must have a design. Um, in order to do the contract administration, we must have done all those you know, preceding phases to have the knowledge that we need to know what contractor the association is going to go with. Um, what is that contractor's timeline? Something that you are great at giving a comparison in is it's um, four guys that take three months or eight guys that take a month and a half. Um, mm -hmm you know, our time lent to the project is determined by the contractor and what their timeline is as well. Right. So I think that it gets hard to just say it's going to cost X dollars for everything from the beginning, because, you know, we only know where our, you know, expectations and limitations apply. We have to find out where our partners in the project exist on that too, to determine where we are too. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's a tricky one for folks. And if I'm, I mean, my red flag already pops up when you say, don't worry about it. We can do it for one big price. And I'm like, how do you know all the pitfalls and potential little things that are going to occur over this 12 month period? You must be charging me such a fat number that you're not even worried about that. And so I would be like, whoa, here's, you know, contract administration is a big one. And, you know, we will, we will recommend, Hey, here's, you know, three super contractors that, that do a great job. And one of them or the other one might have a bad day or a bad superintendent or a bad something. And so we're, we're helping them along. We're encouraging them or we're playing policemen and we're telling them to tear the stuff off and do it again. And versus working with a, just a, a hotshot ACE contract, like I know exactly what to do. Thank you very much. Our inspections are like, yep, good, 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 done. We're fast. And so 
there can be a wide range of, especially when the, you know, when my brother-in-law is a contractor and, and you should use him. And it's like, oh boy, we're training and policing and really trying to drag this contractor through this process for the first time. And it takes forever. And so, yeah, when somebody says, don't worry about it, I'll do it all for one. It's like, really? Okay. You've got a pretty nice crystal ball window there that uh, I don't have. So, or again, a big fat price. So or changes coming to that price. I mean, right. Or change orders. Right. Exactly. So they can quote, like, we'll do everything for 5% less than whoever anybody else is offering. But if they're going to charge what they're going to charge, because it's time and materials at the end of the day, and that's just an estimate, they can say whatever, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. Good point. Okay. Another question we get on payment schedules. And so you know, that big one, do I have to pay everything up front? Thank you for your proposal. It's $30,000. Uh, you know, I don't have that money right now, but I will shortly. Do I have to pay that bill up front? Can we make payments on the bill over time? And so what's the difference between down payments and progress payments and milestone payments and retention? And contractors, contractors and consultants have a little bit of a different, you know, thing going on. A lot of contractors are very common. Here's our proposal. We need one third down, one third in the middle, and one third on completion, you know, kind of this third, third, third. So this milestone payments or percentage base, and that's pretty common for contractors because they do need a down payment. If they're going to be buying materials, uh, we don't expect the contractor to be a bank. Uh, so if they have to long lead order, you know, windows for 10 weeks and, uh, you know, they say, hey, look, I'm going to, place a window order, I'm going to use your money to do it. So I need a certain amount of money. Uh, but I'll, I'll see other contracts that 50% down, 50% on completion. And, you know, we've all heard the horror story of 50% down and you never see them again. So they take your money and run. So we like progress payments. And that's the monthly, you know, even for the contractor and consultant to be able to say, what did you do this month? We'll gladly pay you for what you did. And so prove it. And so it's usually on a percent completion basis. I can look around the property and say two out of 10 buildings are sited. So I'm going to pay you two tenths uh, or I'm, you know, of siting. Now you haven't painted it yet. So that painting line item, nothing there yet. Next month when you get it painted, we'll pay all that. And so it can be tied to things. So if there were a, a terrible interruption of somebody going broke or going out of business, you, would, you wouldn't have given them that money up front. And so another thing with, with consultants or architects, there's usually pretty little down payment kind of arrangements. Maybe there's a little bit of a retainer to get them going or some kind of little bit up front to cover that first month of work. But uh, it's fairly common in the industry to, hey, here this month we're 20% done with our work. So here's 20% of that uh, bill that we gave you or the estimate or proposal that we gave you. Um, event milestones would be, um, I just, I was looking at a bid today and it said, uh, you know, when the siding is on, you got to pay me this much money when it's painted, you pay me another amount of money when it's, when it's totally done, you pay me the final. And speaking of finals, um, fairly common in the construction industry to have a retention on the contract. So it's at the end when everything is wrapped up, we release the retention. It's usually 5%. Uh, just make sure that the contractor gets back there, finishes the punch list, finishes up the project, and then the last 
5% is released to them. Um, payment schedules, do we get a lot of client payment questions? We do. Um, one thing that I think I love to say uh, is, you know, like I say it all the time, I'm not a building doctor, I just play one on TV. Um, so I don't come from the perspective of a building specialist when I'm talking to our clients. I come from the client perspective. Like our clients, I live in a condo, I budget uh, like a maniac. And so I'm constantly thinking about that bottom dollar too. So when we send a proposal out and it's for a million dollars, it will never be for a million dollars. But wow, that's a big proposal. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, we're reciting the Taj Mahal. Um, but when we do that, I always like to impart that you're going to get billed monthly from us. We don't charge for work we haven't done. So you will see the fruits of our labor before you see the invoice for that labor. And that's different from like you're talking about with the contractor schedules and things like that. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that is, you know, that payment stress, the payment structure stress, what the demands are of the vendor or contractor that you're working with. Um, Part of that guidance in the contract administration that your consultant will provide is, you know, reviewing what that payment structure is and making sure that you're not paying for work that you shouldn't be paying for, making sure the work is done in the way that it's supposed to be getting done so that you're not doing exactly what, you know, those horror stories are, which is paying for things you're not getting, paying for things that aren't being done appropriately and having no idea because you're just somebody that pays their bills. Luckily, we work with great contractors. We work with contractors that are trained in working in occupied spaces. Um, I saw Rose's uh, comment that GCs are not always the best option for a large project, Mm -hmm. but it still is, you know, so who watches the watchman? So you still got to have somebody that's overlooking that process because it's complex and it's not something that our association should have to try to figure out and become a specialist on. Right. And Rose, you raise a good, good question. So uh, a contractor, one contractor, it's nice to have, you know, why do I need a general contractor? So you have one contractor that may have a series of subcontractors. So you as the client would have one contract with the general contractor. And then the general would be responsible for the other five subs. And so I've got one throat to choke versus having five contracts and who's doing what, and who's sequencing and contractor two needs to finish up their work before contractor three can come in and that, all that stuff. And so back to your comment, sometimes you don't always need a general, right? When you have one sub or one trade, Now we're back to that one contract. We're back to that one vendor, back to one training cycle. One person's responsible for cleaning up the site. One person's responsible if there's vandalism or damage or things like that. And so, yeah, that's definitely something something that we talk through on. Okay, so does Kelly know what she's talking about? Of course she does. So reach out. Here's the QR code to to uh, get her and she's not wearing her fancy glasses in this. I was just going to say, this is the only time in this photo right here that you'll ever see me not wearing glasses. I don't know what I was thinking when I took that picture. I couldn't see Brooke with her camera that day because I was not wearing glasses. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And if, and proposal, and then, you know, Kelly's so good, run other proposals by her. She'll be like, oh, well, I'd ask him if you would look at this and look at that and look at that because I write proposals all day and this sounds pretty vague to me. So feel free, um, you know, give her give her a ring and say, hey, can you just second second opinion this proposal we got? Oh, she's happy to do that. So I do that cost free. I always forget to mention this, but I love to say it that like 
I uh, when you're talking to me at J2, you're doing it on J2's time and dime. I'm not a billable employee. So if you have questions about proposals, even if it's not ours, give me a call. We'll talk about it. And I'm I love answering questions. I love providing clarity because that's what I would want. So mm-hmm. give me a call. I love to All chat. Right. Cool. Okay. How consultant and engineers proposals work. We kind of talked about this, but this kind of breaks down uh the the six areas that that we see a lot of. And so Feasibility study, visual only investigation, meaning we're just looking around, we're not tearing off siding, kind of go to the next level of invasive investigation. That's where we're pulling off siding, we're seeing what's going on, we're peeling layers of the onion. Um, you can see in this picture here, the, the green siding, you can see well, what's going on, why are we getting this green brown stuff running down the wall? When we pull off the siding in an invasive investigation, we see the brown nasty OSB and it's draining onto the siding. So stains and swelling and all that stuff, you really can't tell until you pull it off. So then now that we pulled it off and he's measuring it, uh, we're getting a design package together. And then we're going to put that out to uh, competitive bid and we're gonna do you know construction administration. We're gonna make sure it goes together correctly. And unfortunately, sometimes we get called into claims or legal work. And because of this experience, we can act as expert witnesses and say, here's who did something wrong. Here's who, here's, here's who screwed up in this mix. You know, it's, it's the siding didn't quite get on or the deck work didn't quite happen at that decked wall interface. But both of them should have raised their hand and said, hey, something's wrong here. Feasibility study is, <clears throat> is an interesting one. And it's, it's one of those that says, we have no idea what we're getting into. Can somebody just come and take a peek? We know there's a problem up in the crawl space. Uh, somebody said there was, but they didn't give us any guidance. We just, would you just come and look in our crawl space? And so it's, that's totally a time and cost thing. We'll come out there. And what we can usually do is we can say, you know, after one visit, we can get a good handle on things and then give you a series of, uh, of you know, steps to move on from there. So the feasibility study is really just a, I don't know what I need to do, but just come help. Okay, great. Sometimes, sometimes you'll find yourself in that. And so back to the, the visual, we can probably do that lump sum. It's, it's, it's walking around and getting an assessment. How many things do you want me to look at? Invasive, we try to say, four openings, six openings, 10 openings. We can usually price that pretty accurately. Design, we can usually price pretty accurately. Construction administration over a period of time, again, kind of that time and cost with an estimate. And then claims and legal work. Oh boy, that's, you know, when you involve lawyers and depositions and testimony and mediations and the legal system that may take forever, that's really a, that's really a time and cost thing. So jumping into the design process, this is one of the graphics of ours. It's J2's design process. Here's the prescribe and treat. Um, because design is involved in treat, meaning answering RFIs and, and doing mock-ups and things like that, as well as recording final as-built documents at the end. But I'd say there's a lot of a lot of our time here is, is bid documents and construction documents and kind of in this middle section and then value engineering that's totally up to the client and value engineering means here's what you here's our recommendation on what you should do let's go get a price 
and our budget's a million and all the pricing comes back at 1.5 million, it's like, uh, how do we give this a haircut? So haircut is value engineering. That can mean little cheaper on the finishes, or it can mean what aren't we doing? And so start subtracting scope items. Uh, take away the fence. Take away the parking lot. Take away the windows. Um, now we now we can get under that budget. So that value engineering is is alternatives, uh, not jeopardizing durability, but uh, giving you alternatives to. Here's what this looks like with this alternate alternate or option. And we get to contract administration. Here's during the job, here's the contractors out working. They're putting up their Tyvek. They're putting on their siding and things like that. We're running around with our iPads and making sure that we're documenting it. We're answering their questions, uh, recording everything, giving you a good set of as-builts. Here's the scaffolding in a tented system. Um, yeah, great patriotic flag. This is this is up in Bellingham, Washington. That's a fantastic restaurant right there. We've worked <laughs> on that condominium and this condominium across the street. So yeah, fun, fun picture, but it's, it's understanding how for the contractor schedule primarily and contractor questions, uh, how our pricing works. Okay. Changes, changes the inevitable. So what happens? How are we going to, why would our contract change? Why would, you know, change order, the terrible word called change order, uh, you can soften it up or sugarcoat it and call it amendment, okay? So it's an amendment to our original scope, and that's the scope has changed. What does that mean? I want you to go out and look at five openings. Great. We open up five openings, and it's like, oh, my goodness, damage. And the client said, hey, you're here. There's still some hours in the day. Do five more openings because I just need to find out that it's information now. And it's like, yeah, okay, great five more openings or change in the openings. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a change in the scope. Um, but, you know, that's the client has requested additional work. Be careful of residents versus boards. And, and we're pretty good at that, but something that, uh, you know, the unit owner of unit three comes out and says, Hey, can you fix this for me? And it's like, well, do you have board approval for us to spend time and energy on that versus just getting your side projects done? And so one thing to keep in mind is make sure board requests it, you know, communication flow. Board comes to consultant, consultant goes to contractor, and it's not a resident unit three is telling the contractors what to do. And, and now the contractor is giving us extra bills. And so... One point about that, Jens, though, I would say that in bigger projects, um, longer term projects, obviously, there's a lot of opportunities for um, front loading the communication with the consultants. Um, I have seen a lot of circumstances where, you know, every community has got that one resident that maybe is tricky to deal with for whatever reason. Uh, they don't want people in their unit. We know they're going to make the process full of friction. We know that they don't want anyone in their space. They are going to nitpick every single bit of work that gets done. Um, identifying those folks in the beginning with your consultant and making a decision that your consultant, that you have you know, decided that it is worth the investment for your consultant to engage with that person in a way that 
keeps the project driven forward in an efficient way can mm-hmm. actually save you money on the back end of what comes in the ugliness of having to do things more forcefully with a resident. Nobody wants to have to do that. So right. I would say that's the one caveat to that is that in the beginning of a larger project, if you can identify your difficult residents with your consultant and make a decision as a team, how you would like to manage those individuals, that's going to really, mm-hmm. really be helpful for everyone. Yeah. And it's, you know, we can, we can, it's, you know, we can make, we can jest, we can jest at the amount of, you know, crazy percentage of people are in there, but it's, there's also, you live with these people and there may be a history and this resident and the board may not get along. So even if the board tries to be nice, there's, uh, I'm going to get you back for the last thing you did to me. So sometimes as an independent consultant, we can say, Hey man, you know, we're not the bad guy and we can get some things done that sometimes the board can't and, and vice versa. You know, there's just who on the team is the right person to go talk to these people. And, and you're actually foreshadowing because in May, May's build building doctor show it's, it's mental health awareness month. And we're going to have a licensed therapist on here to talk about stress and talk about, talk about, you know, uh, the mental illness of working in people's homes and how to manage that. And so we're kind of, we're kind of alluding to that, but stay tuned for me. It's going to be great. But yeah. Uh, and then the the changes or amendments. So, you know, we started out as a visual. Uh, we found some, some of those stains. Remember the plywood staining I showed you? Hey, you know, you should probably pull off some pieces of plywood here. So we're going too invasive. And now we pulled off that plywood. Uh, we need to fix that you know, rotten sheathing and, you know, water damage framing. So now we need a scope of work. You know, do we need a real big scope of work or complicated scope of work? Is it just one deck? Can you call your maintenance guy and just tell him to fix it? Or is it, oh, it's kind of systemic and we should probably get, you know, bids on this. And then obviously overseeing construction, but we can start at visual and not find anything. And you document it, you baseline it. Hey, I looked at this in 2013, looked fine. Here's all the photographs. And so when I come back in 2025, we can say, yeah, okay, that crack's grown a little bit. Let's look a little more. So the point there is we can stop at any time. You have some options. You have some clarity. You're not locked into one big, just because I call a consultant means I've now got to spend a whole bunch of money. But it's we can walk you through the path and down the the, uh, steps there. So how to control budgets. I saw the slide and I was like, oh boy, you were talking about no glasses and can't see. I'm talking about brown hair. I mean, this was before pandemic stuff. So, you know, the budget conscious people, we have a telehealth thing before telehealth was a thing. And so take out your phone, get us on Zoom, get us on FaceTime. We had a quick verification of, you know, the J2 virtual building doctor's service. And you can say, hey, is this stain something to be worried about? Hey, that beam is crunched down. It doesn't look good to me. And we'll say, it doesn't look good to me either. We need to get out there right now. Um, you know, kind of that, can I do it on my phone? Can I do it on my iPad? Yeah, some of these things you can, but just like your telehealth thing, hey, I got to take your blood pressure. So you got to come in. I got to do a wellness exam. This is a real lightweight, two-hour thing. Come on out. We understand you know, um, our eyes are more trained than most people's eyes. We can look at things and go, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. And so we can walk you through 
just, hey, let's visit site, put a plan together, let you know what we're seeing, what we're not seeing. And so it's an, it's an easy way to, lightweight, easy way thing to do. And then, and both those on our website, you can just sign up for them. You don't need to get a bid from Kelly, even though you want to talk to Kelly and she's delightful, you don't need to skip her. And so, oh, how dare yeah. you? <laughs> that's, the, that's the end around from Kelly. So then budget consciousness, phase one, phase two. And what do I mean by that? So some, some people's reserve studies may say, you should call a building envelope consultant and get a big, big investigation. And we can say, eh, okay, I can give you a bid for 12 openings or I can do three in phase one. And then if we find damage, then we can expand the other nine openings and do that 12 total, get a whole thing, but you can kind of do phase one, phase two. So phase one doesn't turn up anything stop. And so it's not like you have to, you're engaging on a 12 opening show and you're standing out watching them do openings one, two, and three and call a big timeout and send everybody home and try to get a refund. Instead, you've set it up to do, let's do a small, what we call sniff test. Let's go out and sniff it, see, see if it smells. And then if we need to come back and do a little bit more or a lot more, we can do that. So phase one to phase two is a good budget conscious uh, way to do things. And then law of diminishing returns. It's, uh, you know, again, that's my second law. The first law was yeah, energy. But um, the law of diminishing returns says essentially how many openings is, how, how much is enough? And we hit that bell curve. So, you know, on that 12 openings, after we've done 10 openings, are we really learning that much more after openings 11 and 12? Or after 12 openings, are we really going to learn that much more doing 13, 14, 15? So we get into that law of diminishing returns of our world works off of, or not our world, but our, our investigation process works off of extrapolation, saying, I've looked at enough locations, I can kind of, you know, make some extrapolations here. It makes zero sense for me to pull off 100% of the siding so that I catch every single defect, because that's just not economically, you know, correct. And so we're going to do a set so that budget consciousness piece, start small, work your way up or work to a certain amount. Do I really need to see every deck? Uh, we'll get a lot. We'll get a lot of those questions. I need every deck inspected. Do you? You got 164 of them. It's going to take <laughs> us a week and a half. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I just want 10 decks inspected. Okay, great. The price just went down a factor of 10x. And so... That's a, that's a good way to good way to kind of think about controlling budget. I think that um, something yeah. I love about the way we write our proposal budgets. Uh, you know, I I grew up knowing how to do that hard negotiation with salespeople. So it's like we're actually not selling something. So um, we're providing service, and we're only providing. I say all the time, we want to make sure the proposal is everything you need and nothing that you don't. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we have folks that are like, well, is there any way we can shave some money off of this? Yes, but it means we're going to shave some service off of it too, because we're not actually charging you a price that we dreamed up and boy, wouldn't it be nice to make this amount of money. We have a very like, you know, meticulous system for understanding what everything actually costs and we don't charge more than what we think is absolutely needed. So while we can provide breathing room on that budget, it means that we're making some changes to what we're actually doing too. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, 12 openings versus 10 openings. Yes, yeah, it's, it's two less openings. I'll probably know the same amount of stuff, um, you know, but again, there's things to think about. So I was on a project yesterday or not uh, last week, 
15 phases. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, normally there's three phases or five phases. There's 15 phases. And it's like, uh, we better look in every phase at least once or you know, there's 27 buildings. Well, uh, we can look at every other building or we're looking at 50% of the buildings. And so you as the client or as the manager agent helping us, you know, let's do phase one, phase two. Let's jump out there, do X amount. We can always do more um, and you can always supplement or, you know, things like that. So budget consciousness, other ways to keep costs down. Uh, big time, providing information. Give us plans, reports, history. Uh, give us anything you got. Uh, I, I just finished a report that, you know, I'm taking pictures and I'm going through, I'm taking lots of pictures and we've got a certain amount of time and, and we're doing our thing and sent the, sent the proposal or, or the report on. And the customer responded with two or three different photos that they had really taken some good close-ups of, hey, Here's some really here's a really, here's a better photo showing the issue. Uh, can you swap those photos? <laughs> yeah, that's easy. It's easy to swap some photos. And so, giving us some of that information, uh, giving us plans ahead of time, we get the chance to look at things and and have all the. If you have other reports, we'll skim through them and make sure that somebody hasn't already covered this ground uh, and any kind of history piece there. So, other ways to keep guys down: team approach. That means working with, you know, sometimes there's a lawyer, sometimes there's a manager. We can all get on that same Zoom call, get it done. Um, you do this, I'll do that. Great, we'll, we'll take care of it. Geographic location, uh, that's that, that can be an important one. Um, are you paying your consultant a lot of windshield time to, to come back and forth to your job site? And so it's kind of important to understand where they are and how they plan to control site visits and uh, the travel time. Um, economy, inflation, current events, how to keep costs down. Right now, uh, our clients are taking advantage of, hey, you know, uh, prices are down. Infla you know, inflation can be up, but, but labor prices are actually down a little bit. And the economy is a little soft. It's a little, it's a little squishy. And so we've got some contractors that are sharpening pencils and they're saying, you know, I need to keep my crews busy. Uh, I'm not going to charge you the big fat rate because it's not boom time. It's, uh, you know, it's time to keep our guys and keep a level flow of cash flow happening. And so let's let's make sure we're, you know, taking advantage of some of that while we can, because we've we've seen uptimes and they're frustrating. Um, after hours work evening meetings, uh, commercial tenant hours. So we'll, we'll see that when we'll get into hospital work. You know, the, the cancer center is open between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. So you get to work after that. And uh, it's like, oh, okay. So hmm, 7 p.m. to whatever, you know. And so our, you know, our high lifts, our deliveries, they're all running overtime. They're charging more. And so just kind of planning that out. And so, fantastic quote from Kelly's dad. I know him. <laughs> Foresight is a coupon and hindsight is a tax. I love that. I'm going to print it up and put it in the office. Kelly's dad, Tom, has, has run a business for 50 years. He can, he can, in this short sentence, thinking about it, planning for it, 
just doing a little plan, doing a little put it together. Foresight is a coupon, saves you money. Hindsight, unfortunately, is based on experience and our wisdom is based on bad experience. So hindsight is a tax. Absolutely. When you look back and you go, oh man, if I only had those plans, we could have not investigated that whole area. If I only had that report from that other consultant that did their work three years ago and they found all that stuff, I didn't have to go open it again. Right. (laughs) So foresight Uh, is a coupon, hindsight is a tax. Love it. Yeah. A couple things uh, that we, this quote came up when we were talking about this section or like, rehearsing in weeks ago because we were talking about the concept that yes the economy inflation current events do raise and lower prices a little bit here and there but um i don't know about you when i got my driver's license when i was 16 two months ago uh it right. was a dollar a gallon it will never be a dollar a gallon again uh it prices may go up and down a little bit but at the end of the day we're not going to see the same prices that we see years prior and i do get those calls that are painful from folks that are like, you wrote right. us a proposal two years ago and we didn't sign it. And hey, guess what? We still need the work and we know that prices are going to be higher. Can you get us a raised price proposal? And, um, you know, we hate to see that because we do want to provide help and we do want to always be budget conscious for our clients. Mm-hmm. But it's the nature of the world that stuff just goes up and being right. able to see things ahead of time is always helpful. Yep. Yep. Okay. Fine print. We're not going to lose you. This is going to be an entertaining fine print. (laughs) So the (laughs) takeaways on the fine print, the scope of work is really important to uh, just understand what, what, what are, what is this partner going to be doing and what work are you paying for and defining exactly what you want, how many, what areas, what elements, visual or invasive, um, meaning we're going to look around, we're going to look around and give you an opinion. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to look at all, I'm going to visually assess all decks. I'm going to visually look at five decks. I'm going to visually look at five decks and I'm going to invasively look at five decks soffits. And so get your, when you're comparing apples to apples, really understand what exactly are we doing? And then was, you know, okay, I don't want five. I want to shave some money off this. I want four. How does that change the price? Um, restoring openings versus repairing discovered damage. So here's another one. So an invasive, in an invasive investigation, we usually say contractor costs not included. So we're the engineers. We go out there, we, we facilitate a contractor to pull the siding off. And then once we're done doing our testing and analysis, put the siding back on. So again, back to that siding picture that you saw earlier, we pull the siding off, saw a bunch of black water damage sheathing. We're not going to fix all that today because we're going to write the scope of repair, go get it bid and and go through a process to say, fix it later. Um, But we'll put that plywood back on or will we? Are we going to put some plastic there and just cover it? Are we going to put you know a painted piece of plywood there? We're going to try to put up the old siding that, that we were able to carefully tear off or did that all break and crumble? So understand, are we restoring the opening to make it look like we were never there? Or are we just putting plastic over it for two months? Are we, uh, or are we fixing everything once we find it? So those are, those are important things to know. Um, you know, is the contractor fees in there? Is the high lift in there? Are the testing fees or permit fees, abatement tests, uh, any kind of lead or, you know, 
any kind of uh, asbestos testing is that in there. And so make sure that you kind of go through it and understand it and then say, this person's initially cheaper, but they excluded all this stuff. So it's actually going to be more expensive and don't get lured by that uh, cheap bid price. Uh, we definitely want a meeting to explain and discuss next steps. So make sure that's in there and it's not a, oh, well, to meet with us, you have to pay us extra. I was like, come on, guys, can you just explain your report and show it to us today? We can do it over Zoom. We can talk about it just virtually and you know, get an action plan moving forward. Now, that action plan may include a scope of work, again, narrative versus permit set. It may include design or details to fix hidden damage. Maybe we have to go to what's called a structural assessment. And this, you know, when we use the word structural, we now need an engineer and we need an engineer that stamps off stuff. And we have all that in-house, but we open up that plywood, we find black stuff. And if you're following our social channels, if we reach in and pull out the stuff and it's mushy and we you know, look like King Kong tearing the building apart, um, we will need an engineer to look at that. And so, okay, now we need an engineer to come do a little, maybe some temporary shoring, maybe some, you know, little interim fix, put your building on crutches so that it doesn't fall over. We've read a lot about that, all the earthquakes and, you know, things like that. It's happening. It happens. And so that could be something extra that needs to happen. But bottom line on the scope of work, ask us what we're worried about. Because we're, we're looking at your project and we're going to be like, yeah, that's this weird kind of stucco that they only did in two years. And, and we've done five of those projects lately. And here's what we found on the other four. So I'm not saying we're going to find, you know, horror conditions here, but but our, our accuracy is pretty high. Here's what you're going to find. And how does that change the price? Well, if we find it, it's only a slight change or it's a big change. So what are you really worried about? Uh, in this. And, and that goes all the way back to your proposal pricing saying, you know, what are you really worried about? No, nothing. Straightforward, straightforward thing. That's why I can give you a set fee that seems pretty cheap. Not worried about it at all. Or who I am worried about. That's why I did time and cost with a bunch of, you know, watch out if this, if this, if this, if this. And that's why I had all those alternates in there to say, be careful. So Big thing is ask ask us. Um, do you get? I, I think one of the, and I think probably this slide or this melody is is exactly why Kelly and I were saying let's do a webinar on this. And so we don't get a lot of clients coming back and saying I don't see this, I don't see this, I don't see this, and you know, and in in actually inheriting other consultants' jobs. Uh, the client comes to us angry and says, you know, they didn't say this, didn't say this, didn't say this. And we were paying a, paying a bunch every time we turned around and we're sick of it. And so that's where clarity in the proposal uh, will help those things. So Kelly, anything to add? Yeah, to this is a big one for me because I, you know, I like to pride myself on advocating for our clients. And, um, you know, we write our proposals on computers, not in blood. So if... <laughs> You're getting a proposal and something doesn't seem right. Maybe the information's not right. You need a different person as the signer. Maybe the scope needs to be tweaked here or there. You want more, you want less. Any number of changes, 
it never hurts to ask. And I would say 99% of the time, we are all too pleased to make those revisions for you. And of course, it's not going to cost you a dime, shouldn't even cost you that much time. Um, the proposal process is reciprocal. And so it should not be a grief-stricken process for you as the client. It should be very clear. It should be accurate. And if those things are not happening for you, you have the right to say, hey, explain this to me or change this for me. And I know that we are just ecstatic to do that. We love to communicate to clarity and I don't want someone to have a proposal in hand thinking that it's the be all end all and they can't, you know, work with us to make it suit them because we want to do that if we can in all circumstances. So, you know, it's never going to cost you anything to get a revision from us and we would love to do it to make it work. Right. So. I think, yeah, one more thing. I think I think people are stuck in this uh, federal sealed bid opening mentality and the and the you know low bidder wins and the you know so it's like right and I, and I'm not advocating hey this consultant can do it for less can you meet him but let's not lose a project over a hundred bucks I mean come you know come back to us and say hey man you're really close but uh you know it's like oh yeah we can do four openings out of five or you know whatever or here's how we can tweak that and here's how we can do this work for you so it's just because you get the biz doesn't mean there's not a, hey, can you at least talk to us and we can we can help you through that. So, okay, I notice we're pushing up against our hour, but we do have a couple more things to cover and some giveaways to do. So I'm going to go fast, but start getting your Q&As in there if you got real questions. Uh, Brooke will let us know if the chat thing is going on, but other things in the fine print, uh, insurance, especially with working on condominiums. Make sure your contractor has the an, a condominium endorsement. And so to get a general contractor's license, you get insurance. That's one thing. Insurance companies understand condominium risk and they say, uh, you are not insured to work on condos without an insurance endorsement for condominiums. So make sure you're properly, your contractors are properly insured. Uh, make sure your uh, consultants are insured. They, we should have design insurance. We should have E&O insurance, errors and emissions. Uh, we should also have CGL policies that, you know, in case our truck backs into the whatever and there's a problem. And so uh, a lot of smaller companies can't afford it. And so just ask for that. Um, insurance standard limitations. And so there's, there's a funny little thing that comes out of the architectural world that says we limit our um, we limit our liability to the amount of fees paid. And that can pose a problem. If you pay somebody 1800 bucks and they designed it backwards and they caused $500,000 worth of damage, you might have a little bit of, wait a minute, you know, I don't just want your 1800 back. I want some coverage here for your error. And it's industry standard. You'll see it. There are also ways to work around it and and get some more coverage for you but your hoa attorney can help you with that termination provisions um we probably want contracts where both parties can terminate other you know it's just but there's some kind of notice we got to give you 10 days that we're unhappy and usually the other side say wait a minute wait a minute i didn't know the bill bills were going out late let me get that corrected and and stay on let's do this stuff but if it becomes real unhappy, you know, both one or both parties can terminate and walk away. So then if that happens, who owns the documents? And that's a, especially for the architectural world, 
these are our design, our specifications, our you know project plans and things like that. Uh, just understand from the contractor, do we take those and run or do we still let you use them as long as you've paid us and, and just understand, you know, we've, we've written a book for you. You want to keep the book as long as you're doing your part of the contract. And then industry standard contracts versus homegrown uh, AIA, the American Institute of Architects has been, you know, very well documented as a contract body. Uh, bottom line, get your lawyer to review them. Uh, what do I mean by homegrown? Uh, remember when you could go into Rite Aid and go down to that business section where the pens and highlighters, there was this triplicate book where you, it was just blanks and it would say client and I'd handwrite your name and then, and then I'd write it in and give that stuff to you. <laughs> there is no contract language on there other than you agree to pay me $5. Okay, great. There's still contractors using that because it's really convenient. And I press it once and I get a triplicate. You get the yellow copy. I get the pink copy. So uh, run when you see that happening. <laughs> or, or the other way of homegrown is this contract totally benefits ABC construction. It doesn't, it's not mutually beneficial. We want it to be mutually reasonable. If I do this, you do that. Instead of if I do this and even push you off the roof, you can't hold me liable. And so uh, you mean I can kill you and you can't hold me, you know? And so I literally read contract language. It says, so literally you can push me off the roof and I can't hold you accountable. Well, that's what it says, but I'd never do that. Well, take it out of your contract, please. So bottom line, have your HOA review that. Um, you know, the fine print, review, revise, and resubmit reports for clarity. If there's any mistakes, let's make sure that we correct these things. And it's not a charge to do that. Everybody makes mistakes, but can you resubmit some things? What does it take to get started? How do I start this contract? Do I have to pay a down payment? Do I just sign it and say yes? Is there normally a scheduling thing? Are you, thanks for signing the contract, but we're booked out for four months. Oh, that's kind of frustrating. I wanted you to start like in two weeks. So make sure that's talked about. Uh, when are the delivery dates? Well, I'm going to get out there and do my investigation and the report will follow in two weeks. Uh, and not, I've been waiting for three months for that report. Where is it coming? And so feel free to put those delivery dates in there and get those uh, documented. Um, fine print, get multiple bids. We put that in there because the fine print might be in your governing documents. And so again, ask your manager, but a lot of times, you know, bids over $5,000 or costs or expenses over $5,000 require multiple bids. So make sure you're following those fine prints as well. Kelly, anything to add to that? Um, gosh, uh, no, I think that like, you know, like I just keep saying, um, anything that's not clear, you have the absolute right to you know, make it clear, have it be explained to you. Um, one of my favorite, you know, roles at J2 is being the translator from building doctor to, you know, client, because I speak both languages. I have dual citizenship now. Um, but uh, so if there are, you know, things that may even feel like, oh, gosh, I feel stupid asking, or, oh, this may seem like, you know, a something everyone should know it's not there are no such thing as stupid questions so ask anything even if you just don't know what a word means in a proposal or a budget or anything we're here to explain that there's no question that it'd be crazy to ask yes absolutely i was thinking several things were going through my mind but uh 
are are any any industry is full of acronyms and abbreviations and we can get you know we we get drawn into that so if you see something coming from us it's like what the heck is that ask about it. so okay we're we're landing this plane summary so on all of this stuff today we've talked about defining the pricing is it flexible or fixed and how is it determined so is it kind of mushy does it go up does it go down or is it that's the set fee and, and if it costs more, that vendor is going to eat it. And so define the pricing, define the payment terms, how much and when, when do we have to pay all this money? Uh, understand that different partners may use different pricing structures and even us or you know a partner with multiple phases may use different price structures. So just pay attention to what those things are saying. Uh, construction administrators is Construction administration is probably the longest phase of, of the project. You can, you can investigate something in a couple of weeks. You can design it in a, in a month, and then it may take 12 months to, to do the work. Uh, define the scope of work and what you'll get. Include contractual items in those definitions. Will there be other costs uh, like contractors or permit fees or testing costs? And what is the consultant worried about just ask our opinion hey how is this price going to go up or how's if you know if this if you hit a home run if this goes really smoothly what does what does that look like and you can talk through that and that helps you formulate your pricing and make sure you get your insurance your contract types your delivery dates things like that into that so that is that is it today so need an inspection talk one-on-one -on -one with me this is a this is a 15-minute free call um, get me on a consult call and ask some specific advice about your building. People are sending me photos. You know, it's it's a registering on your calendar. They're sending me a couple of photos. They're sending me a picture of some report. Hey, can we get a second opinion on this? Absolutely. So just send it over. Um, you know, I can't I can't always give you every answer on the phone, but happy to talk to you about it. Uh, Q and A. Okay, I see lots in the chat, but I don't see anything in the Q and A. If there's no Q and A, we get to go over to the giveaways. Come on, yeah. questions. We have, Brooke just said, make sure we see there are two in the chat. Do, 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 do. There we go, Phil. Thank you, Phil. What do you suggest for an HOA who has selected the low bidder who is going to reside a building with Hardy Board? But the bidder says that the Hardy board will only last five to seven years. I know that the Hardy board rep says that this will last at least 30 years. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a fantastic question. Okay. So low bidder, and I'll get on my soapbox here. Low bidder only in America. Is that a great idea? Yeah. In every other country around the world, low bid is thrown out. High bid is thrown out. And the middle bidder is looked at. But I get it. I, I shop low bidders too. So they're going to reside the building with Hardy Board. Hardy Board is a brand, and every good brand has several knockoffs. And so, if verify it's truly Hardy Board, uh, because we have some other knockoffs that just they aren't as good and they don't last as long. And then you can go to the Hardy Board website or technical bulletin and see what their warranty is. Uh, they used to have a very strong, you know, language about forty-year warranty, but I, th I think it's dropped to twenty. But Hardy is a fantastic product, uh, lasts a really long time, but, you know, it's, it's also a function of how it's installed, how it's sealed and painted and, and caulked and, you know, all the things. If it's on a, a rain screen system, et cetera, it will last for a long, long time. So Hardy board lasting only five to seven years. 
Whew, and that's the bitter. Uh, we we that he doesn't know what he's talking about. So maybe that's why he's a little bit. Um, so uh, I've I have never seen Hardy fail in five to seven years. So anyway, that uh, just kind of dig in a little bit. Dig in. Hey, is this really Hardy? Where are you getting the five to seven years? Uh, why are condos an insurance risk? Joe, good question. So in the insurance world, in the condo wars uh, in Washington, that started in roughly 94, eh, maybe 97. And uh, let's go back. 94, 94 to 2005 was a raging time of, of condominium war. So every time there was a condo built, there was immediately a construction defect lawsuit. And the big insurers said, wait a minute, we're tired of paying out on these condo projects. Uh, if it says condo anywhere in the name, uh, we're not going to cover it. And so we actually had insurance come. You, you'll see various states that have uh, you know, like California, you had insurance carriers pulling out of California. We're just not going to insure in California. See ya. And so, you know, it was like, whoa, because they were getting pounded so hard. So um, the condo wars in, in Washington and Oregon have come, you know, they're not as bad as they used to with that, uh, you know, ongoing legislation that continues to change things. So Condos are an insurance risk due to condominium acts that re, that give condo owners warranties that are better than single-family homeowners. So hopefully that was a shotgun answer to all your things. Uh, let's see. Who else? Any other questions? Did I get that one, Phil and Joe? Yep, got it. All right. We're on to the giveaways. dun 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 so Kelly, pick a number between our live attendance audience. It was, was up to 25. It looks like it's 20 now. If you don't hang out for the thing, you can't get the drawing. So we've got a beautiful stainless steel J2 mug, but here is the real winner, the roll blanket. And this was the headrest on the I thing. I seriously love that thing. Like, that I don't on. go anywhere without it. It's ridiculous how attached I am to that blanket. Not that specific one, but my own. You, you use it as a purse. It's got a little pocket there. I can put my phone in it. I don't know that I do that, but whatever. Here's I, I a hope nice you start. <laughs> soft thing. I won't rub my face all over it. Yeah. A measuring tape. Everybody, you know, these are really handy. When I go into Home Depot, how big was that blind? And I just really need to do a couple of things. So a big bag of treats. Pick a number, Kelly, between one and 19 now. Here's the oh. shop bag. We lost somebody. They didn't want our blanket. Whatever. Okay. I'll go with 11. 11. So your participants are all displayed out in, in uh, the numbers. And Brooke, the producer, will figure out who number 11 is will reach out to you and get your address so that we can mail this to you. So congratulations, number 11. Nice oh, blanket. What's that? I said, oh, it's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. And some final things while Brooke is getting that. Did you know we have free resources for boards and managers? Go to learn.j2consultants.com.